0: And three, two, one, and we're live. Jed 100%. Gillespie, welcome to the Loosehead Sports Show, the number one sports show on planet Earth. Proudly brought to you each and every week by Caffeine Gum Australia. If you don't chew Caffeine Gum, then fuck you. 100%. And I got to say this, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe right now. If we can get this thing to a 1,000 subscribers, Jed and I will do a radio show every day, which we haven't talked about yet. But
1: Oh, man. That would be great. That'd be great. I'd love to do that. <laughs> hey, um, I don't know. Maybe I can get my dad to pay for it to go to a thousand. We'll, we'll figure out a way to do it.
0: <laughs> how are you, mate? Everything good?
1: Yeah, not too bad. We're, uh, we're back up and running uh, this week, the end of this week. So,
0: how are you feeling after the weekend? I personally went way too overboard.
1: Oh yeah, we, we did discuss this briefly on the weekend. I, um, I went to the pub for, uh. I don't know, some sort of shindig. Um, I had one and a half beers, at which point I got down off a very high stool and threw my back out. Um, I, then, I then had to <laughs> waddle out and lie down in my car. So I didn't drink uh, because my back was in so much pain. So I was in my car for about an hour and security guard tried to give me a hustle like I'd been, I don't know, what he thought I was doing in my car. I said, mate, you ever thrown your back out? you haven't we well, haven't done enough
0: you've never played prop before, obviously yeah.
1: so I threw my back out actually twice on the weekend, so I didn't actually drink many beers, but I hear you may have had the my share of the beers down there i
0: I had some realizations about myself on the weekend um, one i'm thirty four next year, and boy, do I feel it after what I did on the weekend <laughs> <laughs> Do we go into it or not? I, I'll to you. I don't, I don't mind. Uh, well, you know, my last thing is waking up in front of the RSL club at 4.30 in the morning not wearing shoes. That was my last sort of coherent memory. I wonder uh, where the shoes went. No, they were home. So what happened was is, <laughs> is uh, a very bad man who I won't name, his red hair, used to play halfback for Southern Districts. Yeah. You do the maths, took me home, and then all of a sudden I was not home. And I was in front of the RSL club sitting on the street or lying on the street wearing socks only. I had clothes on, thankfully. And I've, I've gone, oh, I really got to go to the toilet. So I started running home. And I fell over a couple of times on the way home, got home and everything was there. And I had to ring Kate. I'm like, can you please let me in? I don't have my keys. I don't have anything. I had my phone for some reason. And all my stuff was there. So I, what I think happened was, I realized that we had no food at home and in the condition that I was in, I thought, let's go and find some food immediately. And of course we're not living in Hong Kong or New York or anywhere like that. There's no, there's no food at four 30 in the morning in Cronulla. No. So I'm, uh, it's kind
1: of, it's kind of good. I suppose. I mean, you didn't lose anything.
0: Well, I didn't, I only lost a little bit of dignity. I didn't have much of it left to be fair. (laughs) Um, but the the way that I've felt since Saturday, hor- horrific, horrific. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth it anymore. I've got things to do. I've got shit chat to do on the internet. Yeah, and I say that right now. It's Wednesday. By Friday, I'll probably go back to how I was on Saturday.
1: I mean, that's the cycle. That's that's the way that the world works. So it's that's something to be ashamed of. I'm, I'm 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 not a big drinker these days. I just can't. I'm. I won't be able to get out of bed. I'll just, I'll sleep enough as it is and I'll be, I'll just go a day through. Yeah. 24, 24 hours through, I'll sleep.
0: I, I didn't sleep all day Sunday, but I did not move. And I've uh, discovered, have you watched Ted Lasso on Apple TV? I haven't, but I've heard good things. Fantastic show. Fantastic show. So I just binge watched all day, all, I binge watched that all day Sunday and uh, pretty much Monday as well, to be fair. Didn't get any training until today. Went back to kickboxing. And I, you know, you, you know when you like, I got to twenty seven without ever having a hangover. Twenty seven, and then when twenty seven hit, I really started to feel it. And uh, I was doing uh, every time we do my tie, they do skipping as a warm up with some like squats yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic workout. But I was gassed after about thirty seconds of skipping.
1: Yeah, the you skipping, know. the skipping. I mean, you do my tie. I, I was doing a bit of boxing for a while. The biggest. The biggest roadblock for me to boxing is the fact that you got to do nine minutes of skipping before you start boxing.
0: Nine minutes. We do three two minute rounds, and that is enough for me. Yeah. You, so you guys do nine minutes.
1: Yeah, we do three 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 minute rounds. So by the time I by the time I get into throw a jab, my fucking legs don't work anymore. Um. So I sort you sort of got to taper yourself off a little bit if you're one of the bigger fellas. But um,
0: yeah, I will do like uh thirty, like I'll count thirty. And yeah. Yeah. Sort shake it off for a couple of seconds and I'll go 32, you know, just yeah, try and get yeah, like a certain amount. And then i just sort of stand around while all the skinny guys are just, you know, just looking around watching what everyone's doing while they're skipping.
1: Yeah. Being, look, being, being skinny is easy. You know, we've, <laughs> true, chosen we've chosen the hard life.
0: True that. True that. Look, as, as I say to anyone who will listen to me and it's not many people, uh, it takes a lot of work to keep a body like this. And uh, it's not for everyone, mate. It's not yeah. for everyone. Anyway, what's happening? Talk to me.
1: Um, we've actually got a fair, fair bit of rugby-related content, um, which is refreshing for uh, mainly rugby podcasts. Um, so friend of the program, friend of mine, Sonny Bill Williams, um, came out with a quote, not a piss-taking quote either, which I usually quote him because he can't speak properly, but he said, all the public schools play rugby union in New Zealand. Only the private schools play rugby union in Australia. Until you change this, uh, you're going to get the same results.
0: Um, why? Did he, did he say why? And what do you think about that? I'd be more intrigued in your opinion on that. I say why? Yeah. Like, why why, why did he say it? No, but what, why will that change the game, having like a more public school influence than private school? Did he, did he give a reason or he's just... I don't
1: know. That, that was just sort of the clickbait that was everywhere. I, do, I mean, it sort of suggests like why to, if you play it more regularly or more frequently or he's maybe referring to... I think he's trying to aim at it being exclusive, which he likes to fucking pick little little bits here and there to, uh, for a social justice cause. Oh, look, I... It's actually played at heaps of public schools, Absolutely.
0: And if you go through any shoot shield club, yes, there are their fair share of private school people. Um, I wasn't one of them. I wasn't a private school guy. Uh, And there are, there are heaps that are, but there's just as many who aren't. Mm. And I I think, I, I think what he might be getting at is it, is that if we can get it into more and more schools, that'll increase participation numbers and it'll grow the community side of the game rather than having this long-held perception that it's an elitist game, which I I don't think it is anymore.
1: No. The the reason that it's like, oh, it's a private school game, is when you go to these private schools, they're fucking running a rugby program. You go to Epping Boys High, you can play rugby, you can play ping pong, you can play soccer, you can play... And keeping in mind rugby is our fifth sport, you can play any sport on the planet. When you go to the, the, the elite schools, the private schools, it's like, here's your rugby ball. Go and play. So they produce good rugby systems because they're rugby schools. I, I personally go to the CHS carnivals, or used to every year, including the regional ones. There are heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps of schools that play rugby union. But when it's not shoved down your throat, like – Chubby, the school you came from, or a random school on the Central Coast—you know—they might only just scratch together fifteen kids. Now, that's not necessarily because they can't access rugby union; it's because they don't fucking want to play. So that—that's a bigger problem. So,
0: you know, you've you've summed it—you've summed it up perfectly. So, rugby is played in a lot of public schools in New Zealand because it's a fucking rugby country. So they emphasise it.
1: Number one sport. So it's a number one sport in New Zealand. That's I I fucking I, we've brought this up before, but I'm so sick of the comparisons and the different the different reasons for things and that. It's their sport. Anyone who's been to New Zealand and has is half switched on, which is not, I suppose, half half of people will know that like you walk down the streets and everything is rugby. Everything is rugby. You come here, you've got like someone wearing Western Sydney wanderers gear, throwing stuff and Bloody, you've got someone wearing the swans. Like most people follow rugby league.
0: You can, Adam Fryer Fry summed this up for me really well. He goes, If you live in North Sydney, you've got um, Manly Seagulls, um, Manly Rugby, you've got Northern Suburbs Rugby. Uh, what other teams are over there? There's a soccer team, there's a cricket team, there's a Sevens team, there's the Waratahs, uh, hmm. there's an AFL team. I'm not sure if I said that already. Yep. you know, So you've got seven uh, big bash league, you've got women's netball, you've got women's soccer. So you've got all these sports competing for your attention, uh, whereas in New Zealand they've got cricket and rugby, and that's about it, and the Warriors. They've got the Warriors, but like I, I,
1: I know firsthand that convince a 16-year-old to play in a really good Warriors deal instead of just a random chance of playing good rugby union. is fucking hard. They yeah. want to play for the All Blacks. Because it's their number one sport by, by not even close. So, I mean, so technically, SBW's right. It's just I think he's poking at some sort of injustice or unfairness. That, which, that is, out- which is wrong. Well, it's, it's if so, not, not wrong in 2020.
0: It just anno- it annoys me when... the that you know shot- what he should be saying? Sorry to cut you off. You know what he should be saying? For Australia to be successful, it has to become a rugby country. Absolutely. And it won't change until we become a rugby country.
1: Exactly. It's got nothing. It's not an equitable issue. It's It's not a money issue. I mean, we all play junior rugby where like the clubs are held together by a piece of string and $4. It's got nothing to do with the money. It's got like the equity of the backgrounds of the people. It's got to do with the fact that some people on wherever you are in whatever public school will choose, you know what, I actually don't want to go to training. I'm going to go do some other shit. And that's the, that's the point where it's a private schools, it's forced down your throat and it's part of the curriculum. So that's the difference. So SBW, once again, man, you are clashing.
0: I um, regret regrettably asked if he would come on the podcast, but uh, no reply yet. I think he mustn't, must be too busy probably. Yeah.
1: Well, most of, I'm hoping your voice clicks on me just yelling at him. Um, another one, there's actually, there's a bit going on. Um, a few people are pulling out of the spring tour. Yeah. So quite 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 awesome. quite us awesome. may or may not be available for these tests. Marika stayed home. Um, that he's at the end of a contract uh, and he's going to Japan. I, I probably can't say more on that, but it wasn't a huge surprise. I thought the article, like the public information seemed okay on that one. Um, but Quatos, Sean McMahon, I'm uh, missing one other person, Samu Karev, Samu, yeah. All in doubt for the for the tests.
0: Okay, so four pretty big name players. I, I look at it like this. The the guys who are playing in Japan, if it's if playing for Australia is in any way going to conflict or stop them getting paid by their day jobs, what would anyone in their right mind do?
1: Well, I've seen some Japanese contracts. And there's a substitute where you don't get paid.
0: Okay, so that'd be it. so. But if if I'm sure, there's players who have played for Australia uh, with overseas contracts who, when they're playing for Australia, their club stops paying them, and they're probably losing money. Is that yeah. an accurate? Statement? I mean,
1: they'll get their they'll get their Wallabies match payment. So yeah, but
0: they're, they're still losing. They're, they
1: they're- will lose money. But, the, but I'm I, the reason that I thought they is because usually I think it'll be in a test window. The the Japanese payment thing for if you're not here and you're playing internationals. Um, But. Do a lot of the Australian
0: players have that considering the fact that it's only a new thing that we are going to pick players from overseas. So I would assume that a lot of clubs overseas would sign Australians thinking they're not playing international rugby. That's probably part of the appeal.
1: I think it's probably part of the appeal. I think, um, I, I, it's undeniably going to be a massive problem. Uh, I mean, uh, Cora silently very, very good, but he looked, there was he was always going to go, so there's a time where he's leaving, that's okay. They've made a decision to leave Jordan Patire at home for the old pre seasons, best season thing. Did I, um, I thought, he,
0: didn't he go on tour? I don't know. I thought that no, I no, no, of... Lola staying home. Definitely. I know he's
1: staying home. I Thought Petya also got anyway. I will figure it out, but the so your backline's not a backline without something. I
0: look, I agree, I think he's been the biggest influence on Australia this year. At the end of the day, the boys have sacrificed a lot to play footy this year. Marika missed the birth of his kid, he was away for months on end playing rugby for Australia. Um, he He's just about to go to Japan. I can't blame him for wanting to spend some time with his family. I think anyone would. Um, so, you know, yeah, he's, he's a humongous loss. He was arguably up there with Samu with, within our couple of best players this year. So I can't blame him. It is what it is. Um, but the Japanese boys, I think they will want to play. It'll just be a matter of what happens with the Japanese clubs working out a deal with the ARU. you shaking your head.
1: Yeah, it's just... Yeah, no, I'm shaking my head in terms of, I. I don't know how how the deal's going to get worked out. Um, You would have have
0: thought they'd sort this stuff out before they named the team, but...
1: The the other thing that I found really interesting was he was like... uh, Renning was like, yeah, we'll fill from overseas if we need to. And, like, on... I like that in general, but then I started thinking about the players who are over there versus the positions we might need. And I'm like, oh, geez, is there a... How many 12s we got over there? How many, you know, how many 6s have we got over there?
0: You know, so. It's a complex thing, isn't it? Remember the British Lions tour to New Zealand? Uh, I just watched the documentary on it maybe a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, good. Warren Gatlin brought in some guys from Wales and Scotland who are sort of geographically close. Yeah, they were may- in, they're in who may- Yeah, who may not have been the the next uh, selected players, and that really rubbed a lot of the guys up the wrong way.
1: Yes, yes, um, I remember that well. Yep.
0: Obviously, it's a different situation now with COVID protocols and bubbles and vaccines and all that sort of shit. Um, so I guess you've got to have a little bit of leeway, but I think, I think you have to pick the best guys for Australia, no matter what. That's my they, view.
1: They did this, Chubby. They did this before. Remember, they did. The Spring Tour 2016-17, they played the Australian 15 versus French Barbarians. And they picked a bunch of guys who were overseas. Um, and it's not... I don't think it's shade to say that they weren't in Wallaby's contention. I mean, there's some, of the, some of them were club footballers yeah. who were in yeah. France. Um, and I remember watching the game just going, holy hell. Um, but they've done it before. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I think that it... There's, we've got some very high profile guys overseas. So, as long as they're called in, that's fine. If you start seeing a few spanners in there, the rest of the guys who are in that sort of general vicinity back home will be like, that's, that's annoying, you know? Um, and the obvious one is I read a whole article on it. Uh, that Harry Wilson, he's not injured. The mystery continues as to what the, what's what, he done? What's, what, he done? What, what's he done wrong? I mean, I know his hair's thinning a little bit. Oh, I don't have a problem with that. Maybe it's Rennie, here. maybe Rennie does. <laughs> maybe Rennie does. But like for me, like again, they're like, I think they had a thing from his agent or something saying, yeah, preseason's going to be good. Fucking hell, he doesn't Do you know how hard preseasons are? Oh, yeah, you know I mean, Chubby's done once. They're horrible. They're worse than playing games. Send him on this thing and let him play
0: some tests. Well, I still, I think we talked about this last week. You still got, he could go on tour, still train as if he was in a pre-season program if they don't want to play him. So he'll get the benefit of the high intensity while while of his training. He gets the benefit of being in the environment, getting used to match day, traveling, because going to places like Twickenham, uh, you know, Murrayfield, experiencing that. I just think that's so valuable, particularly for a guy who will be our long-term number eight. Like, That's uh, the
1: confusing part. I mean, you know, it, I, I would
0: have thought the same for Noah, Noel yeah. Look, I agree, he's probably got some physical development to do. Why can't he do that while he's getting this experience of learning uh, international rugby overseas and not just in Australia? Because he yeah, has to
1: So Quay's Quaid's potentially out for everything after the Japanese test. That
0: I mean, really. Isn't that it? I thought it was just a Japanese test that they might not. Okay, well, I've crazy. stopped reading. I've stopped reading a lot of the articles because I feel like it's just clickbaity. You might be right though. There's there's some debate. No, you are right. I did read that article. I did read that article. It's been a big few days for me, Jeb. Yeah. Um, they're still trying to work that out. They don't know what's happening. So, so, but that, my point is now you have got O'Connor. Yeah. What if he gets injured?
1: Like, why wouldn't you take this young guy? And Harry Wilson is it just perplexes me because if you go through our back rowers. I really like some of them. I like I don't want to throw shade at them, but he's much, 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 much higher in the list. And fucking if we got six back rowers, he's second. I agree. He is so, so good. He can play six. He can do whatever you need. I have no idea why he's being left out. Um, it just it's very odd. I I don't understand. And look to see like if if I was Harry Wilson and like Rob Leota was getting picked in front of me, I would, I would going i don't know what i've done wrong here because i was potentially one of the most dominant super rugby players and i was really really good in tests i played in losing tests and now i've just been fucking jettisoned um and again i think it's important to have Fraser me right who's a he's genuine heir to the throne for hooper like for our first on baller in since pocock
0: He's yeah. a legit weapon, that guy. Yeah, they're both legit weapons. To be fair, it is a it is a strange decision. Um, but are they
1: weapons? Are they weapons off the field? What don't I know here, Dave? Pot- potentially, mate. Potentially. What's going on? You know, you're leaving my best players in fucking Brisbane to get smoked in preseason. Take them with you. Let them have a shandy under the Eiffel Tower. Fuck's sake.
0: I miss being able to do that, by the way. Yeah. Same. Anyway. Anyway. Strange, Um, strange strange choices, but you know, I still think as long as we don't lose all those players, we've got a good chance of going four and zero. I got to work.
1: work, I'm working week to week now. I think if Karevi's out, the team's out. There you go. Yeah,
0: he has been such a big influence. You might be right, but if you lose Quaid and Karevi, all of a sudden you're going all right. Everything's changing.
1: I'm happy to lose Quaid if O'Connor goes to ten. I'm not happy to lose Karevi. There's no replacement. Oh, you man. move back to your your exactly. sort of pre pre-Karevi team, which is sort of pasami and uh, who's a good player, don't you fuck like compared to your next guy, he's very, very good, but he's no summer Karevi. So um, everything changes
0: for me. absolutely. Absolutely. what, um, have got, what else have we got?
1: i have go on for you. The I suppose the club, the club, uh the club hub thing of the week was Penrith moving to the John
0: I Dent Cup. What are they thinking? So (laughs) it's probably closer to Canberra than it is to Sydney. I'd imagine. I I've never actually paid. No. Okay. I've never actually, (laughs) I've I've probably driven to Canberra twice. I've never paid full attention. Um, I, what is it just meant to be a fuck you to everyone or is, are they actually? I think
1: think so. I mean, they want to play, they clearly want to play football. I mean, the cruelest thing that, that, I said again. I've said this before that Sydney Rugby or whoever runs this show has ever done was letting them back in the competition. That was the cruelest possible thing. Okay. Uh, COVID hit. Apparently, everyone just threw their hands in the air and went, "Okay, we're opening the comp. Anyone can play now." Um, unfortunately, they'd have it. They'd had a decade of not being able to do anything financially, on the field, field teams, field players. They finally kicked him out, which is very, very hard. A club that's been in there for a long time, but had to be done. Let and them. they in.
0: brought him back in and then kicked them back him back in. out.
1: So you've let your ex-girlfriend back in because you're a horrible guy. And now you've kicked him back out, which again is the right decision. But so, so mean. So, so mean. But like, I mean, we were both out there this year. They fielded one team. So... That's not the way the clubs move. You've got to, to field seven teams. So now Penrith have had the eyes picked out of them this year. All their best players, by the looks of Instagram, who, everyone on the planet is going to West Harbour and Parramatta. Um, so that you've had the eyes picked out of you, the odd player might go somewhere else. And then you're now a non, you're a team that doesn't travel well, ever, in the history of your club, never traveled well. Hard, hard to beat, not hard to beat at home, a lot easier to beat away. And almost every game you're going to take three hours down south. So,
0: You've summed it up beautifully. I think it's insanity. I, I'm, yeah, they want to play Premier Rugby. Maybe Canberra's their level. Who knows, mate? Maybe they will absolutely dominate the Canberra Club competition. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Cl- Canberra Club Rugby. I've watched a lot of Perth Club Rugby. And, um, you know, I'd imagine it would be better than Perth Club Rugby but where are they going to get a team? How are they going to be able to travel, do all that travel? Um, it's, going it's going to be, be more
1: expensive. It's going to be more expensive. Again, I just, it's a team that uh, doesn't travel. They, Penrith don't travel. If you've played in shoot shield for the last 10 years and you've got Penrith at home, it's nice. Um, Cause they don't travel. Yeah. And whether that means they don't physically travel, they don't mentally travel. Sometimes they don't physically travel. So now you've got to pick up and move to Canberra every weekend. Um, It's a very, very, very strange move. Uh, I think there's probably like a real core area of people who love Penrith and want to see them play football, which is great. Um, But then they've got a massive turnover in players. Like I don't think there's any players sitting there going, let me play, let me play. Um, And then you've got anyone who's a realist knows that unfortunately in a seven-team competition, you can't survive. If you're fielding one team and it's getting beaten by 80, you're not going to survive with seven. It's too I hard. think
0: there's going to be, a, uh, just on another note, I think in the shoot shield this year, I think when we get towards the back half of the year, when injuries and stuff like that starts coming into play, I think there's, there'll be quite a few clubs that actually struggle to field seven full teams. That's just my little prediction.
1: Well, a few clubs have been making a lot of signings lately, and I'm hoping that those signings are really to fill their clubs up. Rather than top end talent, uh, because that's what you need. That's what you need in the comp these days. That's what they've said you need. Um, so I think that's a fair prediction. Um, it's going to take a lot of players to get through this season, whether you're, whether you're in first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. So I agree. I think people will struggle, but I think it'll. Um, the clubs are on notice. Like it, like it's no secret. Parramatta are on notice. So that they've got to. They've got to turn up this season with players.
0: I think it's seven. They've. I don't think they had any exemptions. I'm pretty sure they've got to have the full quota. I, think... I would
1: be absolutely gobsmacked, and I fucking hope they can do it because a lot of my friends' dads played for Parramatta back in the glory days. They're a great club, but they're bring producing the same thing for the last ten years. Which is they're, certain,
0: of... they're certainly making all the right noises uh, in terms of you know recruitment of coaches and players. So. You know, let's see how it all plays out. But um, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on noise? I personally, I don't like it. I don't like it because I, as
1: soon as you make it, you got to do something with
0: it. I, I'd rather see action. It's like a player coming to you and going, "Hey, I want to play for the Wallabies." Um, you know, well, what do I need to do? And, I, and then you tell them what they you tell them what they need to improve on, and and why they're not in first grade or why they are in first grade, and you give them feedback, and then they're just not doing anything about it. So I'd rather see someone who's just working hard, turning up, doing what they're doing, than talking a huge game and not actually delivering anything. I'm not saying Para are doing that. I think they actually, I think that that they actually have to do that because
1: yeah, if you've correct. got a good social
0: media presence. Yeah, uh, people are going to go. Oh, all right, they're taking it seriously. They're they're you know they they're getting behind the new uh, agreement conditions that you have to get on with. They're a serious club, so I think that they have to do it. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of it myself, personally.
1: Yeah, look, it's yeah, I agree, I agree. I mean, I think there's a there's a bit of a line between sort of announcing a signing and announcing a signing. Like yeah. whether if you like you're announcing an international player, maybe coming across showing them a bit of love, they might have played ITM or something like that, and announcing a you know a cult coming from Gordon to Para. like it's you know, but. I still think it's a good it's it's a good thing as long as it ends up with them having seven teams. And like you said, it's not seven teams for round one; it's seven teams for round twenty.
0: Is it twenty rounds or eighteen rounds? I think I it's eighteen know. rounds. No
1: fucking idea. It was more of a it was more of a metaphor.
0: Just a general a statement. statement. <laughs> um,
1: so yeah, that'll be look. That that's going to be challenging, man. That's really going to be challenging.
0: I agree. I think it'll be challenging for everyone, and it's going to be a unique challenge for the coaches as you get towards the back half of the year, balancing load. Injuries. There'll be some key positions like front row usually has a big attrition rate. Yeah. So I think as coaches, we're going to have to put as much effort into the sort of third, third grade guys as we are the first and second grade guys because mm-hmm. there will be a point in the year where we need them.
1: I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the the depth chart—you've got to look deep, and you got to you got to train deep because you really only ever one one injury away from that guy sort of coming into mix. So. That, that's the nature of the season and to all, I suppose, to younger players, if you're not in the team you want to be in, well, then get in it. you got 17 rounds. Figure it out.
0: Yeah, just keep keep turning up. i say to anyone that plays front row in this country, just keep turning up. Don't get injured. If you continually play well, you will eventually be a super rugby player.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, if you – you know, the, these – I suppose my one is – a good young guy, if he doesn't get picked in the team he wants round one, I'm like, mate, the, the ones that, the ones everyone watches are in August. You've got 16 games to figure it out. Get in the team you want to get into. But this week, when, when it's semi-final two, no one will remember this week. So you've got 15 weeks, get in the team you want to get into. Figure it out. Well said. Well um, said. I've got two questions. Um, one we, we sort of touched on last week, but from uh, minstrosity, uh, rugby league and rugby union converts, the struggles with each game, players who tried to convert, the sort of hit and miss rate. Um, we haven't had a rugby, we haven't had a rugby union to rugby league until
0: old mate the other day, Locky Lock Miller, yeah Locky Miller, Coffs Harbour man, uh, played with his brother Stinky, Stinky <coughs> Miller up at the, uh, you know the 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 homestead up in Coffs Harbour, he was a great mm-hmm. man be interesting to see how he turns out I, th- I reckon sevens might be an easier transition to league than 15s would be I've, i'm not basing that on anything um, S- signings
1: would tell us that yeah <laughs> they've had two right jesse parry he went over to the tigers and played uh, with
0: him. Uh, did jess play like jess is a was a great sevens player but i, I don't ever think he was a top draw nrl player
1: no he was a, he played in his last cup but look he was a good build he was fit so, like, he certainly fit the mould as a working back rower. Um, it didn't it didn't come to be, and that's okay. I mean, it's a
0: forward I can think of from a league that made a good transition to union would be Brad Thorne, obviously one of the greatest of all time of either code, potentially. Maybe not the greatest of all time in league, but he, he's had a wonderful career in both codes.
1: Phenomenal. But the... I suppose Brad Thorne I think did it in the last era where it was very possible yeah. um, while the two codes had similarities um, as we continue to evolve and become a really strange game, rugby union and league are also becoming their own strange game, they're just growing apart. So do think,
0: what do you think about guys like Cam Munster and, and you know the, the highest level leagueies coming over to rugby, do you think that they would be successful in rugby? No. You don't no. because I, I hear a lot of chat online about people thinking that they will be, I don't watch so, enough league to make a, a good judge. League is,
1: league is so incredibly tough, but it is so, so, so everything is staged. Everything is set. You've got your hit one, hit two, hit three. We're going to go out the back and they've got calls to make on the run. They've got a call where, they, where to hit, where to go, when to run. Union is so different. You've got to scrum there, a line out there, a maul there. Someone's dropped the fucking ball. You've got to get back. It's such a such a different game. Um, someone like Munster who would have to kick the ball 20 times a game. He'd have to run the offense. It, it, I think they would all do terribly. The only... Angus, yep.
0: Crichton. Angus Crichton. No. You don't reckon, He was a rugby guy. I know. He's a rugby guy. You don't reckon he'd, be, you don't reckon he'd walk straight into the he water? Spent,
1: nope. Well, he would because that's the, what the Waratahs do. But he has spent the better part of a decade. He's not, he's not as old as me. So let's say eight years playing rugby league. So he's gone from a powerful 12 at school to a big, strong, strapping, left-edge left, left, left edge back row. He's good at palming and running and doing the thing. He's not a 12 anymore. He's the same way that Tepo Moreau was not a 12 anymore when he left. He is now a rugby league player. He's a he's a different breed. The only, the only position left where people can change from code to code, sort of, is wing.
0: It just shows you. Wing is easy. Anyone can do it. Is that what you're saying? I think that's what you're saying. That's not what I'm
1: saying because actually I've got something on that next. But the, the I suppose my point is it's – they, it's 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 no longer it's no longer doable. It's no longer doable as as it was in the day, like even Matt Rogers and and Wendell Saylor and those guys doing stuff back in the day. Both games have become way more technical.
0: Okay. Um, I think I think even the difference between fifteens uh, and sevens is, is is enormous. Particularly when you see the sevens guys come back into fifteens, very few of them make successful fifteens players because it's a different game. Yeah, look, at the, look at your face. It's a sevens. Sevens. Seven, go. <laughs> I was, all I was about to say is it's a totally, diff, totally different game. The only guy that I've seen transition from 15s to sevens who went all right was Samu Karevi in the Olympics, but he was only on for maybe a minute and a half at a time because he didn't have the gas tank to really play sevens.
1: Look, yeah. Look, Tom Kuzak was pretty good. Um, Very good. Point. But he was always, oh man, Kuzak, if you're out there, he was always good at lots of stuff. So. He was pretty good. Sevens is a different sport. The fact that it's got rugby in front of it it sort of is misrepresentative of what the players do. Um, It's just a different sport. Some people are, like, you can tell when they're playing school footy, you know, he's going to be a good sevens player. Uh, Sort of nondescript, in shape, sort of in between forwards and the backs, got really good ball skills, really, really fit. No one's questioning their fitness. Super rugby is slower for big people. It's just different. It is honestly a different, different, different thing. So I'm really hesitant about sevens guys crossing across. I've luckily enough i played with two um, recently, which was Lockie Anderson and um, and uh, Tim Anstey at Eastwood. But that, you know they probably had to play. A bit, they played a bit of 15s to sort of get their heads back around it. Keep in mind, Lockie Anderson was a seven when he entered, and a wing when he left. Yeah, right. um, and to, you know so. And Tim Anstey sort of entered, you know, that when he entered sevens, he was playing a little bit of outside centre and a little bit of six. So, like, it is made for a strange footballer. Um, Very talented, but strange.
0: I think, and let's finish this on this, I think Sean McMahon could play all three codes extremely well.
1: I think Sean McMahon would be second to Artie Sevilla, the best 13, one of the best 13s in the league. I agree. And he always will always has been, always will be. The only thing that would stop Sean is the fact that you've got to play all the time and it's really hard. And at the moment he makes heaps of money doing way less. Um God bless him. Now let me grab my computer charger because I've got three three things left.
0: Go for it, go for it.
1: Uh, Nick White, Nick White's anything.
0: Shout out to Whitey. Oh, so I actually met you get yeah, I'll I'll tell this Nick White story while you're getting your computer charger. So I actually met Nick White briefly at Eastern Suburbs Rugby Club when we were training for the National Rugby Championships when that was a thing. And look, obviously a great moment for me. I was a was a big Nick White fan. I'm still a big Nick White fan, but I, I doubt I, I doubt that sort of one training session made an impact on his life. And. Uh, I think he got called into the Eagles and then immediately got taken back into the Wallabies. So I didn't even play a game for the, the, uh, the Screaming Eagles. But yes, magnificent man. Playing very well. Big fan of the show. Um, yeah. Good bloke. He's a good bloke. He's a good bloke. Good bloke for a halfback. Stupid apple. No, mate, I hate Apple. I'm having all sorts of dramas with it. Um Do you know, I finally got 5G internet. It is unbelievable. Um, this is the first time I'm doing a podcast not on my phone.
1: Well, can you tell can you tell people that 5G doesn't give you fucking cancer? I don't know what people think. Uh, I I stopped reading all that shit because it just makes me depressed. It makes me laugh, so I can read it more. Um yeah, I spoke to Whitey. He had an opinion on the tight head thing. He said, obviously, kick back that, well, nines no has got to get to every ruck. But he did say...
0: They weigh 75 kilos, so of course they can get to every ruck.
1: <laughs> he did say that he thinks tight head is the hardest position on the field. Um, but he smart. also... Yeah, go
0: No, I was going to say, a smart, logical man. Sorry for interrupting you. No, sorry.
1: <laughs> sorry for uh, interrupting while you're talking. Um Oh, he also think he also thought winger winger was underrated. Said chasing high balls all day, getting back. Covering- I reckon
0: catching high balls would be hard. Yeah. Having people coming down the turf at you while you're looking up, right, about to get smacked. I reckon that would be very hard. And some of the defensive stuff would be hard. Yeah, but they're also quick, so it it should sort of counteract the toughness of it. I would find it. You and I would find it very hard. You defended on the wing a lot, so you'd be more <laughs> you'd be more uh, suitable to give an opinion. I going to say, I, I thought it
1: was all right. <laughs> <to do it. laughs> kept going back out there. But so
0: you had Tommy Hill inside looking after you.
1: Oh, uh, mate, fuck, you never passed. You've got to throw a cut on Tommy Hill to get the ball.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look, fair fair call. I reckon catching high balls would be one of the hardest skills in rugby. I couldn't do it, particularly if someone's trying to kill you.
1: Yeah, I, I don't like the killing you aspect. I think, yeah, the high, they do get fucking high these days as well, those balls. So
0: if you had them under no, catching a high ball under no pressure is fine. But as yeah. soon as someone's running at you or 14 people are running at you and you're just sort of going, oh, he's getting me, a, I reckon that's a hard skill. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give Whitey that one. In terms of everything else, it all seems pretty easy to me.
1: Yeah, well, yeah I suppose meat is covered. Um, but again, we, we, you make your argument. that If you're fucking 45 kilos, you can cover as many metres as you like. Um, that's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, look, it's it's it's, it, it's certainly important. It's an important position. But again, you take you going for a high ball like this, child. You come what you you come out with a red card. You don't know what you, you don't know what you've done. So that's another that's another thing. we you've got to take into account that is by existing, uh, you you'll probably get red carded at some point.
0: Mate, I've been doing this work for Hong Kong rugby, so I watch a lot of their games every week. And uh, it's almost like referees. We shouldn't talk about referees, but you know, I know it's one of your red flags that sets you off, but it's it's almost like yellow card. They've been instructed to give yellow cards. It feels well, like it. You they, need, they, to, they you they need have have to have one yellow card a game because every game has one now. I
1: well, know, but that's not how it should be. No, I agree. That's not how rope is intended to be. So every time that these fucking dinosaurs of the IRB sit back and they – reflect on their rule changes and they're like, we've got to come down on this and this. All it leads to is another yellow cardable area. They, ha- they hand them out like in a normal game, you shouldn't have one. But in a normal game at the moment, you have three. Club, like all the way up. You just know they're coming. So you, they've, got, they, they've got to stop handing them out for anything. It
0: has to be done. I, I don't think I would want to be a referee. I wouldn't
1: want to be a referee either.
0: So. I Unless think they we'd... started
1: paying a lot of money.
0: and then I well, that, Some of them get paid reasonably well, but the problem for you and me is, is that we'd have to keep up with the play for 80 minutes. And I don't know about you, but I've never been able to do, to do that.
1: Well, I've been looking. What about those little two wheel things? You sort of stand on a lean forward. <laughs>
0: I, I love one of those. I was going to get, I was going to look to get one just so I didn't have to walk anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, but... I, I don't walk at all, but I would still get one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. anyway, let's move on. I hate referees. Um, uh, some of them are fantastic blokes. And I've we've got some that listen to this podcast. It's a thankless job. Um, I'm glad you guys are doing it and I will support everything you do. Just less yellow cards. I don't really hate referees.
1: No, I actually really like refs. A the few of the few refs are great blokes, and I sometimes guys are like, Oh, can you believe like what happened in that game in 2012?
0: Oh, mate, it's footy, like it's mate, a, yeah. A lot of them love the game and they're just doing it because they yeah, they can't it, play anymore.
1: No, I'm um, not. Yeah, I'm not stressed about that at all. It's not. I I, I very very rarely will have a vent I don't have any vendettas against referees. I think the problem is what they have been fed and the, yeah. the things that they have to do and the fact that if you have a head clash now, it's a red card. When it, in you know five years ago, if you had a head clash, you were unlucky. And both guys, well, I remember me and Jake Douglas or Jake had a head clash one day and he's and blood and I'm um, going, I was pretty unlucky. But I think you will got here and like you sort of giggle. Now everyone's just, you're gone, you're gone. Chubby's gone for laughing and someone's gone in the crowd for to drink their beer too fast. Like it's, it's insane.
0: It's insane. It's just yeah. going to make coaching a challenge because I reckon you're going to have to do, you're going to have to practice seven or man scrums this year because I guarantee it's going to happen in a game.
1: Absolutely. And you're going to have to practice like, um, you know, crunch time line outs without, without your hookah or without your this and that. Um, speaking of that, you brought it up, but uh, someone asked about the transition into coaching from a play. Yeah. Is, yeah. is there something you felt you had to do? Was it natural?
0: Um, it was kind of natural for me because I was, I was very interested in coaching for a long time. I'd done a lot of the scrum coaching at South or been involved in the thought behind it and the decision making. And I've always, I've always wanted to be a coach. So my mind was kind of geared towards it. Um, the things that I wasn't ready for is all of a sudden you're front and center of everything that's going on socially with the boys to literally a week later, not having any, um, you know, you're not getting invited to anything, they're keeping things from you. And I found that a little different. Um, because I was so used to being the the life of the party my whole career or being around it that, that I struggled with that a little bit. Um, The other things that I found really interesting was the human element of it. As a player, you kind of get wrapped up into your own ambitions and your own role within the team that you kind of stop seeing everyone else around you a little bit, but as a coach coaching really shines a light on the humans involved because Man, I'm breathing heavy already. I haven't even done anything today. <laughs> <laughs> coaching, coaching really shines a light on human beings because everyone has different ambitions, different hopes and dreams. They all see the world differently, and they all, um, they all have different lives, different ways of being taught. And and you've got to get through to all of them, uh, otherwise you're not a good coach. Mm. Some people you can't get through to, but no. you've always got to try. And then you've got the management side of it as well. So. I guess for, for whatever reason, I had assumed that coaching was just on the field, but the vast majority of coaching happens away from the field. And mm. that's the big part of it that I really, uh, I found probably a little confronting. Mm. It's, it's highly enjoyable, but I found it confronting because I just didn't expect it. Um, what, what, did, what have you made of it?
1: Yeah, I think I agree with the fact that for me, it was natural, something I wanted to do. Um, I think the older you get in a team... And, you know, I wasn't a dinosaur necessarily. I was probably, t- I was 28, but I felt old. And you, you end up, you know, you end up being able to teach a little bit, you know, you end up being able to teach some things um, while you're on the run. And I, I, I knew I wanted to get into it when I saw that, they, uh, particularly these young guys from the coast we have, uh, who I, d- I hope don't hear this because so, it's nice about them. Um, but like Granger, Max Stewart, and they went from third grade to second grade, to first grade starters. And then they started getting better and better and better at all these things every week. It's very rewarding, isn't it? And I was like, gee, that's, I, that's awesome. Like two years ago, like these guys were, were playing in the 12 o'clock game. And like the, the things that they would do and the steps they would take and who they became. And I was like, oh, that, that's, that's something that I'd liked more than playing. Um,
0: yeah, shoot. I was, I was just gonna, sorry, keep going, keep going. I've got a question to ask after you've finished.
1: Um, and then I suppose particularly towards the, the the back end of my playing time I was a thinker I wasn't a doer really um, you know I, I a lot of what I added to the team was around thought um, was around game plans things like that but you you change you, you complete I'm completely different coaches I was to a player like you know when I was a player I was a Young, I was probably a selfish player, flashy. Old, I was um, smarter, but, um, you know, way less way less impactful, but would really, you know, I'd probably just pick fights with people, to be honest. Whereas, you know, as soon as I became a coach, like you said, it became team-centric. And I'm sitting there, like, I was never a big game film guy. And I'm going through the film, and I absolutely love it. And the feedback, the independent, like, being able to speak to each player and see them get better at things, It's, it's... Um, It's there's nothing better, so it's funny how things change.
0: Have you had any criticism yet?
1: Yeah. How
0: have you dealt with it?
1: I mean, I think a younger me would have been very poor at it. Um,
0: Would have been what? Sorry.
1: Would have been would have poor at it. Yeah, a hundred. I mean, you've got to be. I was going to say one of the biggest things that can work to your advantage in rugby for all levels is being like self-aware. You know, whether whether it's self-aware that. I'm a second grader at the moment. So maybe I shouldn't call a first grade coach every week and ask him why I'm not in first grade or, or being a self-aware that, you know, you're not super ugly level yet or being self-aware that like, you know, this is your weakness or these are your weaknesses. So yeah, I, I've had some criticism. Um, as, a,
0: as a coach, you've had yeah, criticism.
1: Okay. Yeah. from Mainly from sort of the higher above. Um, I think a lot of it is well-founded. Um, some, some things uh you know, I, I don't... I, some things were 100% I worked on straight away. Um, some things I think are part of what makes me unique uh, or makes a coach unique. And I think ever we we're talking probably the other day, I think all good coaches are unique in their own way. Yeah. If you had uniformity, um, to me, that's someone who doesn't think enough and doesn't put enough time into developing their own, their own brand or their own take on the game and their own actual cogent, brand new thoughts on what makes things good. So... Um, but it's. I think it's important.
0: How about the guys that you actually played with? Have they been uh, respectful, receptive of you? Have you had any sort of pushback from that?
1: Well, I think that's that's, that's one of the areas that um, I suppose uh, it would be easiest to criticise straight away would be that I need more time away. Um, I'm not going to – I'm not really there to – to prioritise relationships. There's only a few players who I've really spent a lot of time with still playing. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm there to, um, I will be doing, I'm there to deliver detail and some care and time um, that they need. So, you know, those relationships go out the window um, and that's fine. It's just that you've got to be, uh, you've got to, these people, me, them, whoever, uh, You've got to be sort of old enough, professional enough to be able to put things to one side. I mean, Ben Batchel was my very, very good friend for a long time. And then he became my coach. And he, he, you know, we were very good mates and he wouldn't put, he, he put me on the bench. Um, and so we'd, you know, have an argument and be able to have that professional, you know, and I go, mate, you're, you're crazy. You are crazy. Um, I should be playing 80 here. And he goes, I think actually at the moment we're getting a lot out of you from the back forty. And I go well. I categorically disagree. And then you can end that relate. You can end that phone call. And then you know. And the next part of the phone call is how are you going? Yeah. You know, you've got to be out of you got to be able to compartmentalize that if you're if you're professional enough and you're old enough. I
0: I, I can do that. I've ha- I've had a little bit of pushback from guys who I had played with. And, yeah. and initially, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the guys have been very very respectful and very, um, you know, patient with me because I'm learning, we're all learning. Um, but there, there have been a few guys that have just pushed back a little bit and probably still see me as the, the guy that they would have beers with, you know, and, and maybe don't really see that as a coach. And I thought about it for a long time. And I think what people say about you is a reflection of them. It's not about you and in my mind I know I'm going to make mistakes but I also know that I care deeply about the club and that I will work my ass off to do what's best for my job for my role and for the club in general so I can live with that and I think if guys are if guys are not welcoming that says more about them than it does about you but it it took me a little while to come to that
1: yeah I think I I, I certainly say to like I've got a I've got a squad of young idiots now embarking on their first professional preseason, and like you know, part of that is you've got to find you got to find the criticism that is good. Find the good criticism. You know, yeah. try and pick apart the one that the coach threw at you because he had nothing to give, or the one that everyone's getting, and find the one that's directed at you, um, and you can actually build from. And
0: what's that Bruce Lee quote, um, uh, take in what is useful, reject what is useless, something yeah. like that. So um,
1: like, it's really, it's some of it's really important. Um, I suppose the main one for me coming in this year, and I've made it very clear, is we do have some senior players. It's the nature of the game uh, in shoot shield is that, we, that you have less and less and less. Um, and they're very valuable when you get them. And I know you guys probably don't have heaps, but the ones you do have are super important. Um, and probably 26 and up is senior you play these days, depending on, you know, how many games you've played. And I suppose I've made it very clear to them that I'm not here to teach them how to live um, or teach them how to be a better man um, because I am not a 50-year-old censor. What I'm here to do is do the work to give you the tool to win the game. That's it. So, you know, if we do have a, a 30-year-old guy who's older than me or a 28-year-old guy who's just as old as me, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. I'm not going to criticize the way you like dress or train or interact. Or with Or have too
0: many beers on the weekend. Yeah. Or
1: interact with your girlfriend or things that some coaches will do. Some older coaches do do that. And I've seen that. That's just not what I'm here to do. Okay. So,
0: I think it would be, um, um, what's the right word. If I was to criticize someone for having too many beers after a game, it would be, uh, What's the word? Ironic, moronic. Yeah, I suppose yeah. It would just be not the right thing to do. And I'm not gonna do that because you gotta you gotta be true to who you are. Um and but I mean like, again,
1: wrong. you could you could use that as a reflection on like, look, this is something I did. And it, maybe was, if it I, was a maybe mistake. Do maybe it. if I did less of it, we'd mm. be having a different conversation. Comp- I'd be somewhere else. Yeah, you know, I yeah, suppose I, is
0: very true, very true. To
1: the to the younger guys in my in the squad, there are things that I've learned that can help them. Absolutely, you know, And and I can prevent them from making the same mistakes I did. And I, I, I take great pleasure in seeing a few guys in particular I'm close with at Francis right now, not making the same mistakes I made. But at the same time, if you're 29, if you're 30, if you're 28 and you're at Eastwood and you're just looking to play good football, I'm not going to lecture you on how to do things.
0: Yeah, man, I, I agree. And I think players will, generally speaking, most players will be... With, Receptive of you if they can see that you're doing things for the right reasons, and that you're trying to help. Because at the end of the day, people—that's what people really care about.
1: Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. What I, I'll sort of finish on is that you'll have a lot of coaches in your career. Probably depending who you are, and you know, you might play a few. Even if you play at one team, you 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 know for long enough, you'll have four or five, six different head coaches. You know, a lot of different systems. What you'll find is that good coaches are very Few and far in between, I can say. Um, I don't okay. know your thoughts I've been on that lucky heart.
0: to have some very good ones, uh, but just as just as lucky to have some very bad ones.
1: Yeah, I've had some absolutely awful coaches in my career. Whether they were bad man managers, whether they were bad detail, bad recruiting, but I've had some terrible coaches. And when you do find a good coach, um, it's it's season change because it's it makes you want to turn up, it makes you play better, it makes the team gel better. When you lose, it makes the loss not as bad or it makes the loss learning from. So if that's, that's really all that I can try and be because that, I remember that feeling and that feeling was so good when you had a good coach. And I remember that feeling when you had a bad coach and it was so, so bad. So, you know.
0: Um, it's, a fascinating, it's a fascinating thing uh, learning how to coach because as we said before, as a player, you're only just thinking about things a certain way. But then, as a coach, you've got to take into all aspects of what's going on, and then deliver it. In. Like, um, have you listened to the Laurie Fisher podcast? I did, yet? Yeah, I've actually. I like when he said that I could run the best session possible. My delivery could be wonderful, but if the players haven't learned anything, what's the point?
1: Yeah, he was. He's a very. He's a wise old owl, Laurie Fisher, and he's someone that I don't think like like batch had him as a coach in two thousand two, you know, or one and you know here he is 20 years later but he's still contemporary that's what's amazing about him is that he's still at the cutting edge of his stuff and but those those sorts of things are so true you know so you the you could do everything right and still not get the right outcome if it's just not if it's not tweaked right or not delivered right so it's uh it's 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 crazy man it's it's a let's finish on that
0: got much on today
1: Um, I actually, now we're definitely off recording. I have, uh, hold on, hold on.